I'm Lieutenant Pat Doring, Crisis Negotiator from WhatCopsWatch.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The hundredth episode of any televised program traditionally signals the end. Traditionally, things go to pot at episode 100, but... Inside of this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 5, Episode 12, The Real Deal, we are given some false elements, nightmarish visions, heroic rescues, and puffy eyes. It's all here and more inside this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Greetings, everyone. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. It's great to be here for episode 100. 100 the review. milestone. We had just sat down and tried to figure out how many episodes of just the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast there's been. And I think we're at about 125-ish. When you mix Somewhere in, there, yeah. yeah. When you mix in the episode reviews, you mix in your Agent Carterness, mm. you throw in some all fan input episodes and rabble. It's amazing. It, 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 what I love about it, too, is that it goes so fast when it's so much fun. Oh, yeah. Before we get started, some quick housekeeping. The mecca of microphones. Last week, Thursday, I was able to go to the mecca of microphones. That's right. It's Heil Sound across the river from us here in ah. St. Louis over in Fairview Heights again. And what I also realized was that it was 11 years ago next month that I sat in their parking lot waiting for them to open to go buy my first four microphones. Oh, wow. So that's fun. That's It's fun another to- Another milestone. Yet another milestone, yeah. And uh, uh, I want to thank Michelle from Heil Sound, who is their marketing director, and someone that has become a very good friend to not only two guys talking, but to me and the St. Louis Podcasters group that we were able to take over there. We had nine great people that were able to show up that night. Of the 15 that should have shown up, by the way, for those of you that didn't show up, remember that your seat taken means that someone else didn't get to go. It was a huge waiting list for that. So those of you that choose to jump in on those things, just remember to just contact us and let us know that you're not going so that someone else can go that's sitting up back on the hold list. I think the best get was she ran through the entire line of Heil microphones live for us, dictated how each of them was different she demonstrated with her voices and then let us go up and just play with every microphone that they got 
I saw uh, you posted a lot of pictures on uh, I did. both your uh, Facebook feed and your Instagram. I, I I was enjoying from afar. Yeah, it, it's the only Mike porn that you'll ever see Mike Wilkerson <laughs> involved in, which is collecting microphone porn. Uh, just a fantastic evening. We also have a new family member inside of the Two Guys Talking family from Heil. It's the 11th microphone, and it is the PR77D which, for those that are curious or have any interest in microphones, are exactly like the microphones we're using right now, the PR40s. The difference is that uh, the element's exactly the same inside of it. It's a lighter microphone, but then it also has the ability to switch itself to a PR30, which was traditionally initially made for music capture. Ah. So it's actually a two-function microphone that gives you yet another ability to have another PR40 in our, in our family, but then also the abilities of a musical collecting PR30. Which also is great for collecting uh, a lot of female voices, just because the female voice is different. Anyway, my thanks to the mecca of microphones, Heil Sound, for having us out there. And be sure to check out uh, the show notes inside of this episode. We'll link up to some of those pictures that Nick was talking about. You can check out everything Heil Sound over at HeilSound.com. The infinity date moving forward. Well, how about this? They're moving up the date... It's actually gone back a week where it was the 4th and now it's sprung back a week into the month of April, which unfortunately, Mr. Nick, who's been watching a movie a week for the past, what, 700 years <laughs> to catch up and be ready for Infinity War, Since you're going to have to step on the gas pedal. of January, well, no, I've only, I've just lost a week. So that just means Black Panther is out, even though I've already seen Black Panther. Now, technically, I have to squeeze in. Thor, Ragnarok, and Black Panther in the same week. That's easy. Very easy since I just picked up Thor, Ragnarok on Blu-ray. Oh, good. Beautiful movie. You'll have to tell me about the features because I, I got the... Great I, special features. I've already imbibed them all. Have you? Oh, okay. Yeah. I got the digital version only. Mm. And so it came with features, which is kind of weird. Usually it just gives you the movie and too bad for you. Mm. But that's not what it did. It gives you this whole litany of features. But I'm also assuming... I will not get to partake inside the commentary if there is one. Well, and there, then, there's commentary. Yeah, uh, see, I'm gonna have to get the Blu-ray anyway. Then, damn, damn. All right. So anyway, but besides the, Ragnarok, so yeah. so Marvel Disney has just decided, hey, we're gonna move this. We're moving it back a week. I don't know. It's so in, instead of May on May the fourth, May the fourth be with you. Maybe they're maybe they didn't want to have a Marvel movie on a Star Wars date. I don't have any idea. I know that they've moved it to make room for something else that's coming out. I'm assuming that Han Solo atrocity that's coming. I don't know. But the, the gist is that it's going to be moving up a week to garner more money and time to have people go and take their time to go to the movie. So those of you that are curious, make sure that if you're trying to watch a movie a week before the movie comes out, you've just lost a week and you're going to have to throw in an extra one in a week. which isn't So a big deal. this moving forward... You can always shove two movies into one week. So take your pick. Yeah. Well, there's still plenty of movies left. Yeah. Just think that next year you'll be able to do exactly the same thing we're talking about now, but you'll have even more movies to shove in the same period of time before the second edition of the Infinity War movie comes out. Yes. Marvel keeps on shoving it in. Shove it. Thank you, Marvel. All right, enough housekeeping. Enough talking about things that aren't Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's time to focus on our review of Season 5, Episode 12, The Real Deal, the 100th episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Here is the review. 
sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Talking Tech. Why not start off the 100th episode with a wonderful, brilliant talking tech moment? Mostly because once this episode starts, I'm almost instantly revisiting one of my favorite movies from 1986, Aliens. You have the same blue lasers darting back and forth doing the reconnoiter <laughs> inside, the, inside the room with the smoky smokiness. And the escape pod of the Nostromo. Yeah. And, and it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's so simple. It, it, it's not, you know, you go, wow, my God, the, the CGI is breathtaking. It, it, it's not. But it's super simple. It's to the point. And then all the uh, transmittal stuff cascades over onto some screens that we get to see. And then you get the, the drone view where we then start to see the things that manifest themselves inside, of, inside from the rift right. that's inside of what's going on downstairs. Loved it. Well, it's also a nice callback to the dwarfs. Remember, yeah, it's nice to see those again. It's nice that we're seeing some of the. Well, I mean this this episode is just filled with callbacks. Yeah, from all five from from the past five seasons. So it's just it's nice to to start the episode off with a callback. Yeah, I really enjoyed this mostly because I remember us originally talking about that in the original episode of Agents of Shield. Mm -hmm. And the reason we talked about it is because it is one of the giant high marks inside of Prometheus mm. that I thought was spectacular. There's the if you want to start talking about perfect exposition moment, let me show you what it is. And inside of uh, Prometheus, it's when they send out those little silver ball drones like out of the the horror film, and they start and they they start doing circles down the the corridors inside of that undermountain base thing there and then they start populating that digital readout that's one of the best pieces of this is what we are looking at here while you're watching this movie folks comma signed the special effects team right and i thought it was spectacular so anytime that they're going to drift towards anything like that inside really of any movie at all i am a giant fan i think it's super easy uh, the way that special effects work now, it's almost always going to look good, even if it's something base like this was. And it's super straightforward. So we launched this episode, the 100th episode, with a talking tech moment. What did you find inside this episode that was a talking tech moment? We may have a second one appearing later on, and perhaps a third. Ooh, spoilers. Oh, well, maybe we don't. Uh, maybe we don't. But we want to know what you guys thought about talking tech moments inside this episode. Go to our website, agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what did you think was a great talking tech moment inside this episode. Another tender moment with Mac and Yo-Yo. I'd mentioned this last episode, and this is when I know that it really does work as a kind of a storytelling technology especially inside this episode where, once again, the difference is that she now has no arms mm -hmm. and it's done inside of a faux hospital room, maybe inside of sick bay or wherever it was. Right. And it's another wonderful, tender, mostly quiet moment on national television inside of that, quote, stupid comic book show. Mm. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, dude. It's, it's, it's endearing. 
It allows you to to let the actors emote, but then also for you to take in the feelings that they're causing you to feel because you're allowing them to act. I love that. This show, at least in my memory, this show has never gone the sappy route when it comes to showing romantic relationships where these characters are concerned. Yeah. They've always handled it very tastefully, even even with some of the younger characters. You you could have painted that more soap opery because they were younger characters. Yeah. And they never did. And they they haven't done that with Fitzsimmons. They haven't done that with Mac and Yo-Yo. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done that with Coulson and May. Yeah. And, and I, kudos I really, for that one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, especially yeah. that one. Yeah. You know, it's very much like cooking, where someone will tell you, hey, man, would can, may I cook for you? And you kind of go, mm, I didn't know you cooked. Mm. They go, yeah, 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 I cook. Okay, well, the question mark pops up, you know, mm, am I taking my life into my hands here by letting them <laughs> cook for me or not? And, and the answer is no, the, this person can cook. And I, I love that the writing staff has been able to take that deft hand and cook us up something special. When it comes to those tender moment relationships, because it is one of the giant precipice things that every show on television and I think really every movie also faces, which is the are we going to drive over the cliff and make this stupid or is it going to have some endearment? And every single time they're able to hit the endearment bullseye. A Cree out of nowhere. Now, I did not see this coming. And it got me. This was the, this was maybe the only one, I think. But this is the one that got me where I'm like, I, out of nowhere, Daisy and Deke are screwing around inside of supply room number 18. And out of nowhere, Cree starts to just beat ass all over the place. And it got me. I, I, I don't usually get got inside of episodes like this, but it absolutely got me. What really got me at the end was that kind of turning to dust, you know, bang. Right stopping and then shedding to dust backwards thing that that took me for a moment out of what we were doing because i didn't know what i was seeing and i i guess i'm going to throw that into yes it's a question mark but i absolutely didn't have any idea what i was seeing and i think that's okay because at this point in the episode we haven't gotten the exposition yeah which you know is coming Mm -hmm. but we haven't got it and and i think that's probably one of the reasons why it got you so much Mm -hmm is because you haven't been told what to expect. Yeah. And it lulls you into a false sense of security. You're not expecting anybody to be attacking our characters in their stronghold, especially a Cree. So so yeah, I think I think they did a I think they did a really good job holding off the information so that you are left a little confused, a little turned around. <laughs> A ribbon that reaches inside our minds. I had to put the brakes on when it was first being explained to us because there is a Hallmark episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, it even has the word mind and it might be like inside our mind, something like that. It's somewhere early though and it is a nightmare episode. Mm. And so I'm like... There is no way we are going to take the hundredth episode (laughs) of this wonderfully written television show for the last three and a half seasons plus 
and throw it into the cone of now it's time for a nightmare flashback episode because that's the instant I started hearing the little the little vocabulary and techno babble coming out of Fitz's mouth I'm like I'm going to pretend that I've heard something completely different here and thankfully they did not do exactly what I thought they were going to do with this there was the nightmare piece thrown into it there was revisits to previous things inside of previous episodes. The difference is that it's not exact rips from previous episodes shown like it was inside that Next Generation episode. Right. Because it was terrible. It was a, it was an in-a-bottle episode where they're trying desperately to save budget. They've got all of these episodes where they're going to have extra footage and they're just going to go and rip what needs to be used inside of that episode. And, you know, have Riker in sickbay. I've forgotten the exact mechanics of how that episode worked. But it was someone was sick in sickbay and they kept dreaming of things that happened previously that were horrific. And all they did was go and lift little pieces and lilts from previous episodes. yeah. And then snap back to somebody going, it's okay, it's okay, everything's okay. Until then it's not okay and they got to say the same thing. Um, Anyway, so I'm really glad we didn't go that way. And I like that they gave us almost a super in-front offense explanation of what's going on. There was no deduction piece of what's going on here. You have the the Cree out of nowhere moment, and then you have Fitz explaining exactly what's going on. That's very different. That's not something you traditionally see inside of television. So I absolutely give that a thumbs up here. Had this concept been portrayed in this show earlier let's say anytime before season three total gimmick yeah just to buy time just to uh it would be it would be a filler episode it's like we don't have a way to get to the episode that we really want to talk about so let's just fill it with this the fact that this is the hundredth episode we are in the fifth season there is more to be afraid of so this concept does play It, it definitely plays it also plays on on a couple of other different levels. This is one of the few times where we get a dump truck of exposition. Because Fitz has got this figured out. Uh, like you said, there's no deduction moment. It's, oh, I know what happened. This is, this is what happens when three monoliths blow up at the same time. You rip a hole in reality. And it just so happens that the tear leads to a fear dimension. Which is not that far-fetched, considering if you're a fan of Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. One of the big things about uh, Doctor Strange, especially the Marvel Cinematic Universe Doctor Strange, is they've already been hinting at the character of Nightmare being the next villain that will appear in Doctor Strange 2. Keep on strangin'. That's not the real title, but it would be cool if it was. <laughs> uh, nightmare is basically a, a, an entity that feeds off of people's nightmares. Marvel Comics answer to Freddy Krueger without the flashy knife fingers or the uh, really bad holiday sweater. Uh, so the fact that now, deep down inside the lighthouse, fear is ebbing and flowing out of mm-hmm. this rift. Yeah. And it's bringing the things that our, our our characters are most afraid of. 
that's a great way to examine a character. When you examine their fears, you can examine a character. We see Lash again. We see other things that you have to wonder, hmm, whose fear is this really? Because it's not specific to any one person. It's all of their fears. We see Gemma, that is an LMD. We see Hive. We see a whole bunch of other things. And you have to wonder, whose fear is this really? Who, who's, wh who does, what does this correspond with what character? Had they tried to pull this off seasons ago? Yeah, total BS. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if the show got canceled. But the fact that they're doing it now, and they've waited so long, and that we have so much invested with these characters, we care about their fears. And that's what makes this episode so nerve-wracking at times, because you're waiting. You're now waiting for the next fear to walk around the corner and yeah. wonder yeah. what or who is it going to be. I will buy that because I like that you don't know which and or whom the fear belongs to. I'll buy that. It, it just, especially when you start talking about it's, it's all of our fears. It, it's that, it's that spam smell that I have to get by. And thankfully by the end of the episode, we do. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, 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 but I still had it right here inside the episode capture. If this was something we had to deal with, like for several episodes. Oh yeah. This would get old, mm -hmm. completely old. The mm -hmm. fact that, we dealt with it in this episode, and not even for the full episode. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, we got to take care of this. Let's let's try to get this wrapped yeah. up as quickly as possible. Yeah. Well, and I think also, and we'll talk a little bit about later on, but that it isn't wrapped up, quote, by one of the people that's there, because it's not. No. That also is a giant shining factor where someone doesn't have a realization where fear isn't everything and now can spill that concept onto everybody else and all of their fears just dissolve and now everything's great and hey, let's go get married. That's not what happens inside this episode. Making a stitch for the tear in time with a belt buckle. Got it. I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine with that. The, the fun the fun thing about having little pieces like this is that not everything takes some sort of random act of nature or now it's time to get into a spacesuit and go collect enough crumbs of earth to that will allow us to do whatever the next level of the adventure is. Very often it comes down to just the elements around you and hope, oh, hey, by the way, can I have your belt buckle? I like that. It 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 absolutely throws into the concept of this is not doomsday, even though they paint that several times like that. Mm. It is not a doomsday where everybody is going to die if we don't somehow find a way to fix the tear in time. Especially this one, because it is a band-aid as they get towards the end. Right. And so I, I enjoyed that we can just put the, put the, the band-aid on it with the belt buckle concept. I thought that was great. The problem is metaphysical, quantum science sci-fi in itself so what better way to put the band-aid on it with the same exact thing mm -hmm. the gravitonium yeah that's how we got through the first half of this this season when we were in the future mm -hmm. not even knowing mm -hmm. we finally towards the end of that that the, that first chunk while they're in the future we learn oh this is this is how everything works we've got gravitonium mm -hmm. well that makes complete sense no 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 more nitpicking from me well, of course, gravitonium now is what's going to help solve the problem. Now, we only got a little, very tiny bit, so Band-Aid. This is not the fix. This is just a, a stopgap to give us time 
to come up with the fix. Yeah. And I like it. An outstanding argument. And Phil keels over. One of my favorite arguments now inside of the annals of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, without question. Mm -hmm. Oh, Uh, yeah. There's several in here that are so incredibly endearing. The gift of having a structured argument between a a series of actors on screen really is a gift. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having a structured argument where things need to lead someplace and everybody needs to sound like they're actually saying something and then it all culminates into something... That is a feat of acting that I know many people do not give credit to. Mm-hmm. And you have it happening at least twice here inside this episode. And this one is just immaculate right before Phil Keel's over. It is it is quintessential why people need to be watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of the endearment that's paid off to every single character that opens their mouth. This conversation, and then there's another conversation between... Yeah. Colson and Daisy later yeah. after he after his we'll confession. We'll get to that one too. Yeah, those two those two conversations. This is this is the one that kicks it off. Sometimes you forget if you if you boil this show down that this is yes this is a team of people who have decided to stick together, whether there was an actual organization to back them up or not. Somewhere along the way, that team became a family, and. If you trace it all the way back, and they even talk about it in this episode, it's Daisy and Phil. That's the story. Uh, Amazingly enough, that is the story of these five seasons. It's Daisy and and Phil Coulson. Yeah, uh, the show wouldn't work without all the other characters, of course. And I'm not diminishing their importance at all. Mm -hmm. The heart is that relationship, that... That mentor relationship, that, that even pseudo father daughter relationship, that's the driving force behind this show, and that's what has been the driving force for this show for the last five years. And a lot of times you can forget that because there's so much stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But when it slows down, like it is now at this point in time in the episode, that's that's what it is. At least to me. I mean, I might be wrong. <laughs> Phil's eventual confession and a faster ticking clock. So a lot of things become clear here inside of the very short series of paragraphs that are delivered here between Daisy and Phil, and they are immaculate. Mm -hmm. This is easily, especially inside this episode and probably season so far, my favorite conversation of any characters that we've seen and or talked to. Right. And it is incredible endearment. It is easily where I can now point to the pieces of the glue holding pieces of the show together and go, and that's why you watch right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for those that don't understand that this, quote, stupid comic book show on ABC has at least as much adhesive as the movies do, especially in regard to character development. You are not more watching so. this show. I, I absolutely think yeah. more so. This this one episode has more character adhesive and character development inside of it than a number of the entire lengths of feature film movies from Marvel. Mm. Uh, th- th- there's a couple that we're not going to pile on that are good movies. There's nothing wrong with them. No, no, no. But what they lack almost completely, especially in the realm of villains, is any kind of character development. And when you can have something there's like... There's a character... 
but there's no development. And when it's there's, just, a, there, and there's it's, a name. It's what you get. There's you a name. See what you, there's a name. There's t- almost always a costume. And then there are people that surround that person. And that's what's given to you on, fi- on feature film screen. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. There needs to be something where you get to see the character grow. And I think it's what... I've gone back to accidentally watch more of Iron Man 3, especially in the run-up to Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And the couple of extra times that I've watched it, I've tried to open my mind because I desperately want to grab some value from that movie because there are many segments inside of that movie that I think are breathtakingly gorgeous. You, th- There are many scenes inside of that movie that really re- do have the Marvel game running mm. at 100 miles an hour. There's no question. But then there are other pieces that are put in there and it's something that we're going to talk about later on, but the character development inside of these episodes of this quote, stupid comic book show are wonderful pieces to the development of characters that at the beginning of the series, with the exception of Coulson, nobody cared anything about. Yeah. Another thing to think about also where this is concerned, especially when, because this has been a big deal. What was the deal that Coulson made? Did he one more time? Did he sell his soul to the devil for something else? Like, that? no, it was very simple. Okay, I'm going. It wasn't even a deal, right? There was no deal. It was okay. We've got to do this. The only way we're going to be able to take Ada down is if Ghost Rider hides inside me and takes her out. That's the only way this is going to work out. Well, Colson, here's the problem: if I ride inside you, I'm burning up all your Tahiti juice. Oh. Well, I guess we'll just have to worry about that later. Flame on. Yeah. Yeah. And again, character development. And this happened last season, the end of yeah. last season. Mm-hmm. So so we're going back a season. Mm-hmm. This is a man who didn't hesitate. He made the arrangement because that's how you get the job done. Right. It, it, it runs back to, I, and I love it when we can do it, because it doesn't happen nearly enough, at least for me. You get to dive back into Star Trek 2 and go, look, mm. there's a problem Who's more important? Everybody, everybody is more important than one dude. Yep. And so we are going to run forward. Ready? Go. And, and there's no thought. Yep. It just happens, and everything pays forward for it across the board. And you get the end of that here with Phil's confession inside of this little scripting, and it is just delicious. I also love that it was not a deal with the devil, i.e., uh, if you get our team out of this, then I will serve in the underworld forever. Right, yeah. Something equally stupid like that. Yeah, it wasn't a spawn deal. <clears throat> right, right. Because it, it wasn't, a, and that's the thing. Everybody's been calling it a deal. I didn't make a deal. I didn't make a bargain. We did what we had to do. Yeah, right. When, what I also love, too, is that this spills into more of what we're going to be talking about, i.e., the bill has come due. Mm. You gave me everything. A look back at the last nine months of my life. Now, this wonderful conversation that Phil has with Daisy that rips your heart out without oh, question. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just stem to stern. You don't even have to like these characters. <laughs> you can just accidentally hear and watch this scene. It is wonderfully done. Right. Uh, it's two actors that totally get each other, which is way too friggin' rare. Uh, I know actors that have been acting with a couple of people that they've been acting with forever and they never have gel like these two have. And so to see this on screen for a, even as short a period of time as we do see it is magical. Mm. It, it is, it is a, it is a testament to the show, to the level of acting 
uh, creed that these two actors have, but more importantly, the people that wrote the story. Because for anybody that's curious, the instant you can start screaming at people because you love them so much mm. is when television traditionally gets stupid. It, right. it really does. Yeah. There's For every one great one like we had here, there's got to be a hundred bad ones. And so this was excellent. It was really, really good. The reason it was really, really good for me is that looking at Phil inside of this scene in particular, but um, kind of the, the discussions leading up to it as well, Phil reminded me very much of what my dad left for me, uh, having died in January of this year. My dad and I were incredibly comfortable talking about death and the end of things and what you've left in life and what kind of legacy are you going to leave and, mm-hmm. you know, if you died tomorrow, blah. We, we, we talked about things like that often. And so what I don't have is I have nothing in my life at all that are question marks with my dad. And I so wish more people could have that. Right. Because it reminds me of exactly what you get here. Phil knew the bill was coming. No bones. Yeah. He, he, knew it the, he knew it the second that he nodded his head to, to Ghost Rider. And he knew it even more after his head stopped being on flamey flame on fire. Right, right. And so he knew. He knew that the bill was coming. And he never let knowing that the bill was coming deter his actions. Not at all. That's exactly what my dad posited to me over the last nine months of his life, was that I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've done. More importantly, I'm proud of what we've all created. Mm -hmm. At any time that you can have anybody that's in some echelon, either as a peer or someone above you, which my dad absolutely was, uh, say something like that. It is instant karma that that deposits a giant deposit for you. Right. And that we're able to be cage side when it happens here with Colson and Daisy is just extraordinary. I thought it was really, really great. Oh, yeah. The peril of the rift growing and the this is a horror dream cliff. This is when I started to realize that it was falling away from, oh, hey, look, it's everybody's fears. And now we're going to find out whose fears are really whose fears. Right. Because when you say that, that does sound stupid. Now, what they were able to do, though, was corral everybody's fears and put them into one place that Phil and Deathlock eventually get to address, take on and overcome. Right. So I was okay with that. It wasn't where everybody's got to first cower at their at their true fear and then find the centerpiece of courage and then over. No, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> and that we didn't have to do any of that with each and every single character so that they overcome their internal fears and champion on forward. That we didn't have to bother with any of that was a giant thumbs up inside this episode. Because that's what would have taken it absolutely into that stupid, this is a horror dream cliff episode. It's awesome. Well. And we didn't do any of that. So I was really, really glad we didn't have that. That's that's some that's some Bush League crap right there, sir. <laughs> you don't you don't get that in the hundredth episode of Agents yeah. of Shield. No, was we real- don't have to worry about individuals overcoming their fear. It's a group's yeah. fear coming uh, overcoming those fears yeah and that's what this show is about it's not about the individual it is about the team slash family yeah it it gets even larger than that again we'll hit on it in just a second the goodbye from colson with fitz friggin gold and remember it's not it's not a goodbye no because he he plans to walk out of that room away from that rift 
Yeah, it, it's as if you, rather than it being goodbye, it's until I come back here and we're ready to do something else. But it is gold. Oh, yeah. There, there are a few scenes inside of any television program that are sheer gold. This is 24 karat solid gold scene of these characters that really does need to be looked at as a sample inside of the running of every single property that is Marvel. Mm -hmm. Because we have enough endearing characters that have endearing relationships, at least budding inside of a variety of connections that obviously are going to go somewhere else inside of infinity war. But this is the level of interactivity and endearment that needs to be posited on every single character uh, relationship that we should be holding anything dear about. This is it. Mm -hmm. Also, and, and you mentioned this in the previous episode, how Coulson hasn't really been Coulson this season. Yeah. And, you know, why? Well, we find out why. Yeah, he's dying. Okay. And I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping, I really hope that the, the writers made that conscious decision to, even though Coulson was still the leader and he was still parts of the plan and still was a man of action, he just kind of seemed a little off. He didn't seem his full Phil Coulson-iness. Yeah. Until this episode. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if they purposely did that to string us along for 11 episodes. Man, it, is there something wrong with Coulson? I mean, am, am I just, am I reading too much into it? And then to discover, oh, there is something wrong with Coulson. And then to get to this episode and be given, I, I don't want to say the old Phil, but he's always been the man that has the words of wisdom. He's always the one that's been able to lift everybody else back up when they've been beaten. When you possibly think you can't win at all. Here comes Phil Coulson. He gives you a pep talk, and you feel like you can take on the entire empire. That's what Phil Coulson does. He inspires. I uh, take away my Coulson. <laughs> I'm going to have a real problem with this show. And this is why I would have a problem with this show. You take away this man... And the the encouragement that he gives, the 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 wisdom, the hope. I don't know what I would do. Well, here here's what I'll counter that with is that if they did take him, I'm okay with it. And it's because of because of what he said inside of this scene that we are focusing on. Yeah. Which is that one person is not shield, though I would tell you if you know, if there was a beacon of an icon of a character I would draw. If we're drawing shield, uh -huh. well, obviously it's going to be the silhouette of Phil Coulson. Right. There's no question, but he's absolutely right. And again, his, the peace that he's found and come to with being able to know that the future of shield is inside of a capable number of hands, as opposed to just one hand or maybe one person, he doesn't have any of that. He's absolutely solid on it. So am I. <laughs> An incoming Quinjet and a familiar face. So this is very interesting. The first thing I noticed, though, inside of this scene that I, I, I'm going to have to go back and look at it again, maybe on a different television. But it looks like they did the miniature of the waterfall landing pad. And it looked like something I performed in my sink. The water was running just way too fast. Mm. They needed to slit on the water. But beyond that, the incoming Quinjet was awesome that the... Landing doors shoot, opens, and out piles this rabble of folks, as well as Deathlock. After we've just met Deathlock, asterisk, 
inside of Phil Coulson's Mindville. Right. It was spectacular. It was this strange little dinner sandwich that I had no idea what I was actually taking in. But after I got a couple of bites of it, though, it was really, really satisfying. This is the point in the episode where everything shifts. And when I and when I say everything shifts, it shifts away from being your stereotypical 100th episode. For anybody who's watched an inorbrant amount of television, anybody can tell you the 100th episode, they pull out all the stops. Big things happen. And usually big things mean equals death. <laughs> but we're already told today is not the day Coulson's going to die. Mm-hmm. Coulson has come clean. This is what's going to happen. I'm not dead yet. And I don't plan on dying today. Mm -hmm. I still got things that need to be taken care of. So for me, and and, and this might just be for me, from that moment on, I'm like, okay, nobody's going to die in this episode. Interesting. Where are you taking me? So he goes down into the basement to close the rift. Okay. So now you're going to try to you, you you're going to try to feed me this this cock and bull line that this is all in Phil Coulson's head as he's dying yeah. from mm-hmm. from back at the in Avengers. Yeah. Interesting play. Mm-hmm. But you already know that that's not true because you keep going back to the other characters. So then you realize, "Oh, we are facing Phil's actual fear that all of this has been a dream." Or even if you want to even get even more psychological onto it, all of this hasn't meant anything. Anything, right? And his biggest fear is operating without purpose. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm I'm sure is a lot of people's fears. Oh yeah. Why the hell am I doing this? And there's right. no reason I'm doing this. Yeah. So not only do we have a Quinjet coming in, but it's got Deathlock. Uh, 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 all right. But then also surviving members of Shield. Mm-hmm. So we're coming full circle. As Phil Coulson is facing his greatest fear, the future is arriving at our doorstep and saying, hey, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. The piece that you mentioned that I think is is probably the most endearing from this little interaction with Deathlock thing is that it's not the total recall guy telling you. You've suffered a schism, and you're sitting right. in the chair. You're still at recall, right? Because Mr. With, Quaid, right? Because what that would have drifted into is the whole Dallas. It was all the entire season was in a shower thing, right? And that's where we start going off the rails. So, yeah. oh I, yeah, it was also one of my fears when we started getting into the network thing, because that framework, was also the, or the framework, framework stuff. Right. Oh because yeah, that, yeah. That's where I also thought that that was going, and I'm so glad that in both cases, none of that was going on. <laughs> The peril of knowing it's not real. This is the one thing that it 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 was still there even towards the the 75-80% part of this episode. So Deathlock is or Deathlock with no Deathlock stuff on him. Peterson. Right, is there doing the whole total recall thing. You're sitting in the table, we're yeah, trying to walk save you. To block. the light, Phil. Come on, we'll right. go together. Okay, so I get it, and I'm glad that it didn't go that direction, so check box, yes, awesome. The problem is that I know that when it finally does get engaged, regardless of what's going on, no matter what the peril is, as long as you can shoot it with a gun and don't let it bite you, quote-unquote, then nothing's going to happen. That's the peril of knowing that anything that they're going to engage is, quote, not real. So the sample is if one of the aliens were to bite you on the arm, 
nothing apparently would happen. No, that's 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 false. What? Because look at Deke. Deke got hurt. The Cree cut him. Okay. I, he, I, I must have missed that. The Cree when when they're when well, he's was the ducking, choppy axe thing. Yeah. He cut him. That's why he's got a uh, bandage on his a bandage arm. on his arm. Yo Yo was attacked. She almost was suffocated by an evil LMD Gemma. Had the real Gemma not walked in, Yo Yo'd be dead. Okay. Well, I, 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 and I guess I'll take that one off the table then. But I just, I, I, I think maybe that was playing around in my mind from the beginning anyway. Mm. In that, oh look, it's a Cree. Look, we shot him, and he Potter puffs into a pile of sawdust, and nobody cares anymore. That's that. That's what I'm telling you is the peril. It, it, you you can paint it with whatever peril at the end of it, but oh, you mean the the fake thing? Okay, we'll just shoot it. Oh no no no! I mean you got to shoot it to get rid of it, but it's it can hurt you. It can mm-hmm. hurt you. A marriage out of left field. I wasn't quite sure where to go with this when I initially understood what was going on, but it reminded me of the holodeck i.e. the holodeck opens up as the doors open up and Data walks in and Deanna Troy walks in and Riker walks in in a bow tie and Captain Picard's waiting at the the end of a, a, a cliff and two crewmates walk up and they get married. That's what this reminded me of and then I realized that's because exactly what it's supposed to remind you of. The place is not real. Uh, no. the, pla- the people that are there are real. Right. But the, pl- the place is not real. So I got to give it a giant checkbox. Uh, I also loved how incredibly not saccharine all of it was. Wedding sequences and scenes inside of television and movies, I think almost across the board, they almost always dunk the audience into saccharine yeah. or those touching moments that make you well up inside. And I understand that that's the goal inside of many, many a wedding things, but it was amazing how they were able to show you the points that matter inside of this, that, that really do matter, especially inside of what essentially is a modern day wedding. Somebody taking video with a smartphone behind you, being able to see that, knowing that you're going to get some sort of comedic repartee from the person that's wedding you knowing that at least one of the bride and or groom are going to flub what they're going to say, or even if they've written it down, something else comical happens. They're able to bridge the stuff that matters and is endearing, but never dunk the audience inside of that terribly sweet, saccharine tasting blah. And I find that a magical feat inside of the 88, 89% point inside of this episode. It's just extraordinary. This was an example of we're not going to do what other shows have done. We know that they love each other. They have literally clawed their way across the galaxy to be with each other. So when Fitz proposed to Gemma, I knew that we weren't going to drag out this. It wasn't going to be a long engagement because... You can't have a long engagement when it comes to the life that they lead. And that's exactly what Coulson told him before he went down into the basement to close the rift. That thing we were talking about, I think you should take care of that. Now more than more than ever, you need to you need to do that. Oh no, no, that's not it. No, it is important. This could have been really ridiculous had they wheeled 
you know, Yo-Yo's bed in from the from the, the sick bay. No, instead, Mac's recording it. He might even have been live streaming it for her so that she could see it as it was happening. Mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised that they didn't show something like that. But the fact that they didn't also meant that hey, low key, we're not we're this this was a rushed job. We want this to happen, but it's not. Oh, look at look at how wonderfully decorated it is. Yeah. And landscape mode. I want to just add that on too. How proud of Mac I was that he was landscape moding the wedding, and not <laughs> and not portrait moding it. For those that have no idea what I'm talking about, you sir are an idiot. <laughs> and and the fact that we, we before this all happens, it, we have the nice little write off that okay, so the band aid worked, no new fears are manifesting. And the old ones are still sticking around, but they may not be here for long. Right. Fine. Again, explained away in, in, in dialogue, like this show does. And it was sweet without using, and I'll use uh, your, your phrase, it was sweet without being saccharine. Yeah, yeah. It was exactly what I would hope for it, it's in, another, in a wedding. It's another tender moment. It's yeah, another tender another moment tender that's moment. allowed to be a tender moment. And again, I my my total hats off to the to the program. The concept of bathos, where it works and where it doesn't. I have been trying to educate as many people as humanly possible on the concept of bathos, B A T H O S, over the last two or three months, I think. Pathos with a B instead of a P. Yes, yeah. we had a long conversation about it yeah. over uh, dinner a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. And I cannot emphasize enough how vital it is that Marvel take a giant look and listen to what we're going to say right now. And I will give you on one side of the spectrum, I will give you Thor Ragnarok as the end of the spectrum that I don't care for. Okay. On the other end of the spectrum, I will give you Captain America, the first Avenger. All right. Because I think both of them really do indicate each end of the spectrum wonderfully. Here is my supporting documentation. Inside of Thor Ragnarok, we have, and I'm not kidding, about the average of 11 to 17 seconds of not joking. But then every 11 to 17 seconds, there's another joke inserted somehow. Whether it's a character's own joke to counter their previous joke, or a joke from some character to counter some other character's joke. So it's not even a it's not even where it's countering the the traditional concept of bathos, which is here is some drama. You should feel something really extraordinary because these characters really do mean something to you because you've been reading them forever. And by the way, here's a joke. Okay. That's the concept of bathos, where the the drama and the support that you're getting inside of that drama is then undercut at the knees by a joke. And every now and then it works. Uh, the original Iron Man, I think, is a really great sample of where it does work, i.e., we can listen to Tony Stark, and I think all of us now, you can close your eyes and what you hear is Robert Downey Jr. saying anything that is Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. That's the this this stark snark. It, it it really is. The problem is on the on the Thor Ragnarok end of the spectrum is that everybody has now become Tony Stark. Everybody's got that little witty something or other to say, either in regard to their own comments or someone else's comments. And I think that that makes almost everything said inside of a movie 
almost completely ineffective. Again, the negative sample is Thor Ragnarok, where, no kidding, 11 to 17 seconds, somebody is joking about something. There's so little time to be endeared by any drama that's going on because you've either got a, a joke taking out the legs of something that might have been either serious or dramatic, or you've got somebody else joking about something that doesn't really make any sense of that character saying it. I think you take, conservatively, 65% of what's said by Thor inside of Thor Ragnarok that I don't think short Thor should have been saying at all. I'm not looking for him to be that stoic, dramatic... Shakespearean actor that he was inside of the first film. But I know I want me some way more of that than I want the jokey joke asshole-ish guy that is essentially Tony Stark with blonde hair that we got inside of Thor Ragnarok. The other end of the spectrum is literally Captain America the First Avenger. Now a piece of that comes out of because he was a dude frozen in the 1940s frozen throughout a period of time, wakes up in the late, quote, 90s slash aughts, and is now awakened. So he, But that's also started to smear off for the good, though. Captain America gets a little bit of the jokiness as well, but it's almost always a dry wit where he's responding to something where the sample would be, oh, I get that reference. When he says something like, I get the reference to flying monkeys, okay, that's not an undercutting joke response. That's him literally saying, Oh, wait a minute. I understand that reference. Right. And right. it works out perfectly. Uh, th there are many different samples inside of Captain America where, uh, and I know it's to also totally colored because he is Captain America. He has to be painted a different color and stripe, obviously, than Tony Stark. But Thor Ragnarok really does exemplify what happens when you remove all Iron Man from everything inside of the episode, but you still feel the need to have the jokey joke cut the knees out from under every single ounce of drama there is because I'm not kidding. I will agree with about 50% of the film. If you lessen the jokes, I mean, I could, as an, as an editor, I could go through that film and cut out some of the jokes and make it a more serious film. There are parts of the film that, that are meant to be psychedelically crazy. Sure. I mean, Sakaar is a, a crazy cuckoo kind of a place. That's why you got Jeff Goldblum running it. I would also defend, but only half, of Thor's way of speaking and handling things now is because he has now spent the last two years on Earth, on Midgard. So he has not assimilated, but started to assimilate Earth culture, hanging around Tony Stark. Yes, of course, some of that's going to rub off on you. But then you also have the internet and anything else like that. It doesn't excuse all of it. Only I'm only I'm only excusing half of it. And, and don't get me wrong, I think Thor Ragnarok was a fun movie. Yes. But where Tone is concerned, with as much dire stuff that was happening, it did not take itself ser uh, seriously enough. Right. So I agree with you. <laughs> didn't think I was, was going to do that. I'm, I am agreeing with you. Okay, well, there are, there are points to where I could actually say, ah, I'll, I'll let that go. But for the most part, I do agree with you. Okay, because I have watched Thor Ragnarok mostly just sitting over my shoulder playing while I'm doing other things. But I think that that's even a better resemblance where I am listening to it and I can, I can still take in the stuff where I go, that that just doesn't sound like anything Thor would ever say. Mm, yeah. uh, anyway, th this is not a formal review of Ragnarok by any stretch. 
But it does exemplify what I think is something that is taking over the Marvel stuffs that really needs to be halted very, very quickly, in particular with something like Infinity War coming. Because what will quickly make Infinity War completely un-Infinity War-like is a bunch of jokey joke. I don't want well, jokey agree, joke inside of Infinity War. I don't think you're going to do that. You also have to look at the director. You have the same the same team directing Infinity War that directed Civil War. So it's also who you've got running the show mm-hmm. and writing the show. Right. They specifically went out of their way. They wanted a comedy. They wanted a buddy comedy. Why they decided it was going to be Thor and Hulk to be the buddy comedy, I don't know why. It's a com- it's a comedy director. It's a comedy actor who is directing this movie. So he is bringing he is bringing that flair. Again, I enjoy the movie. I'm not going to say it's it's not Marvel's best, but it's a fun flick. Yeah. Tonally, look at the films before this. Mm-hmm. Look at some of the especially the uh, the the newer ones. Doctor Strange, Ant Man. They all handle the humor the way that it needs to be handled. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it's not it's not nearly the dissection of what's going on with Ragnarok. It's it's across the board inside of every single movie. It's not just Ragnarok. Every single movie has something that is a bathos moment. Um, there's a whole bunch inside of Civil War that I think is also something that could be played. But sometimes you get, you have to have that. Because uh, th- there needs to be a release valve, yes. But yes, there a doesn't release need valve. To be the, Thank you. The f- so frequent release valve that nothing becomes dramatic because that's what's happening. That is what's happening. There needs to, the the one that is exemplified inside of a video that I've seen online is Doctor Strange's cape nest, the living cape. Yeah. Where it's dum dum, the camera rooms in on him, and then the cope the cloak comes up behind him, and it it forms the V that is the magical Doctor Strange capeness, and then the thing scratches his cheek cutely. No. Why can't we just have the straight delivered? Wow! Look at the gorgeous, dramatic Doctor Strange, and then on to the next scene. It doesn't have to have the cute, jokey joke at the end every single time. It just doesn't. But it doesn't have it every single time. Thor Ragnarok does, right? According to you, but Doctor Strange doesn't. There's a lot of serious stuff in Doctor Strange. But again, this is the 100th episode of the Agents of Shield, right. and we've. Now spent ten plus minutes talking about Bethos, but more importantly, your dislike of how funny Thor Ragnarok is. Yes, and what this episode of Agents of Shield. Thank you for guiding me back on the. Track. You're welcome. What this episode of Shield absolutely gives us is an excellent semblance of what is not doused with Bethos. Each of the dramatic scenes inside of this, even the ones that do end with a semblance of a jokey joke, are allowed to marinate inside of drama, which is the whole point. Yes. Okay. But it's also expected of certain characters. You- All I'm saying is, is that the writers need to, when something is important, send me an email. You know, an Send elect- you an email, a, specifically. A, a, an electronic yes. mail. You know, an electronic mail. Uh, well, you don't even have a computer, do you? Well, no, no why I don't. Why do I need a computer? Right. I, I, really? I, I, I get it. Okay. But that's an example of a character only half understanding grabbing something that he hears constantly as he's strutting down the boulevard thinking that he's so hot. Because that's what Thor's been doing the last two years, especially after Jane Foster dumped him. 
What we're going to do here is we're going to ask you guys, what do you guys think of the concept of Bathos? And are you done hearing Bathos so often inside of Marvel movies? Because I know I am. Let us know what you think by agreeing with me by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click anywhere inside of the threads that's there or start your own and tell us that you also hate Bathos and agree with Mike 100%. I think it has more to do with your dislike of Thor Ragnarok. The same splash that Kyle Reese has on those that learn that he is the father of John Connor. Wow, what a piece of delicious bacon-wrapped filet mignon we get inside of this episode. We find out that Deke is the child of... Grandchild. Grandchild. Really? Yes, because Deathlock asks, so you got the rings? Deke goes, yeah. I had to find one small enough for Fitz's girly fingers, and then I found one that resembled a ring that my mother wore that belonged to my grandmother. Okay. And then General Hale. DNA pulled up. DNA's got two matches, and then boom, boom, boom. Fitz and Simmons are Deke's grandparents. Okay. All right. Anyway, in in the line, doesn't make any difference where he is. He's in the line, and he's official family, which is it's the giant piece it's it's unless something happens to one of them before they give birth to their first child and then he disappears out of existence or maybe not depending on what rules they're using for for time travel and stuff like that right i've forgotten where i'm going so i've i don't know what we'll do next let's go you liked uh, it you liked it it was it was good stuff i thought it was great you told you well you were saying it was a juicy morsel so it's a juicy morsel Everybody's now going to listen to the delicious commercials that we're going to share because we've run long because of my Bathos discussion launch. Sick, Wilkerson, sick. (laughs) We'll be right back here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Maybe. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact. Thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Don't miss the next live free field training session online. Come and learn with Officer Tommy Model during his live captures featuring you. Freefieldtraining.com. That's freefieldtraining.com. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com. Pop quiz, horror fan. What do television, comic books, Broadway musicals, video games, and heavy metal music all have in common? 
learn the answer during A Crash Course in Horror, Part 2, at twoguystalkinghorror.com. That's twoguystalkinghorror.com. Hostage and crisis negotiations are some of the most demanding jobs in law enforcement. I'm Pat Doring, crisis negotiator, and inside my new book, Crisis Cops, you'll learn more about the perspective I and my fellow negotiators experience when it comes to bridge jumpers, a hostage taker, or those who are contemplating suicide. From origin stories from the initial beginnings of hostage crisis negotiations across the country to the art form that has become today, you'll learn all about it inside of Crisis Cops, the evolution of hostage negotiations in America. Order it now at twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. That's twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, it's Season 5, Episode 12, The Real Deal, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s 100th episode. Every time we come back from break during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, it's time to break open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I shine the spotlight on either an actor portrayal, a piece of the storyline, or something else that tripped our collective review night, Fantastique. Nick, what do you got? My dossier is filled with something, and I'm very surprised you didn't even mention this Mm -hmm. at all in the review, especially at the beginning of the review. My dossier is filled with that beautiful 10-second dissolve of every single Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. opening credit morphing into itself all all the way up to Mm. current. Mm. When they did that, and again, this is the beginning of the episode, I was just like, oh, I'm in for something special. This is nice. Hmm. It it took me back. It took me back to the last five years. It It took me back to enjoying the show but thinking it could be better. It took me back to really enjoying the show and wishing that it connected more with the movies instead of reacting to the films. It took me back to, wow, this show's really stepping up its game. It's trying to be something on its own because we all know the movies aren't paying any freaking attention to it. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love this show. And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Hmm. That's a really good one. And uh, you're absolutely right. We didn't we didn't mention that. And I did like that it was a very quick dissolve, but giving yet enough kudos to what has been given previously. That you're, That's very well said. That's a that's a great one inside of the dossier here. I think my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier has got to be filled with the juggling back and forth of storyline. Mm. We've talked about this several times, not only inside of this review, but also a lot of the feature film perspective reviews that we've done. Right. And every time you leave from something where something still has to be moving forward, and then you go to something else that is happening at the same time, and then you have to revert back to what was storyline A or storyline B or whatever. Right. Being able to pull that off so that you lose nothing from either side really is a skill set. It's not just something that accidentally happens. Yeah. Uh, it's a piece of editing. It's a piece of directing. It's a piece of making sure you've got captured what needs to be captured and then weaving it all together. So 
traditionally when we say if there's something special effects based or if there's something writers based or if there's something editorially based or editing based, we usually say that. But this really is that wonderful, totally appropriate conglomerate in episode 100 Mm. where we recognize the efforts of all the team that is participating in pulling something like that off. Right. Because where it really becomes vital is Coulson and Fitz have the repartee. There's a Quinjet on the radar. And now the bouncing back and forth between Peterson and Coulson back to the Quinjet that's coming in and going to investigate what's going on over there. Back to Peterson. Going to investigate the Quinjet, what's going on there. Back to Peterson. Going to see what's going on with the Quinjet and the people getting off the Quinjet. Back to Peterson and Coulson. And then eventually culminating where Peterson, that was inside the Quinjet as Deathlock, is actually now over helping Coulson inside of the battle that's going on inside of his mind slash the riftable time, uh, riftable areas inside of the lighthouse. That is such a ballet of skill sets that I don't know how to appropriately thank the people that pulled that off. Cause I mean, mm. it, it, as much as we want to all think and know it went off. Awesome. Can you imagine if it wouldn't have went off? Awesome. And there were so many variables there that it should not have gone off. Awesome. And that it did. That's my dossier inside this episode. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you put inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Or click that green tab and leave us a voicemail. Hmm. We would love to actually hear what you think. Ah, the always important rating inside of this episode. The scale works thusly. 10 is awesome. 1 is not so awesome. Everything starts at a 7. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. By the way, 10 for me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Just because this is the 100th episode doesn't mean you get to go first. 10 times 10 equals 100. Your math is correct. But if you're if you were gonna start screwing with the format, you need to maybe send me an electronic email, a mail of electronicness. Next time, I'll just send you my rating in an electronic mail. Oh, good. But I can't get it because I have no computer. computer. There's no computers in Asgard. Yes, there are. Stupid joke. My rating for the 100th episode. Thank you very much for giving a love letter to the fans who have watched the show from day one. Thank you. That's what we got. That's what this was. It was a culmination of everything that happened, and it had nice little nods to things reaching all the way back to the first season, to the first episode. This episode was was the, had nothing to do with facing your fears and, and closing the rift. It was the wedding. It was leading up to this wedding, this family that has been through so much stuff. This is a culmination. This is, this is a culmination of all the happiness that has happened in the hundred episodes of this show. I'm rating this episode a 10. Of course it's going to be a 10. Why wouldn't it not be a 10 for this 100th episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, all right. And so the reasons uh, I give this episode a 10 are, well, never mind, 10. Well, seriously, what else What else can I possibly shower this episode with beyond it? it is able to take every fear that I have. That's the sweet irony of this episode, Nick. Mm. Every fear that I have of something that where they start going, oh, 
It's everybody's dire fear going to be showcased inside of this plane of existence, inside of this underground lighthouse of the covert agency that is still S.H.I.E.L.D., but not quite S.H.I.E.L.D. That could get really stupid really damn quick. Mm -hmm. And guess what didn't happen? It didn't get stupid, yeah. None of it got stupid. Not only that, they weave in repartee from previous people that decide to come back. They weave in that everything's going to be just fine, even if Phil does die. You know what? It's okay. The the foundational blocks have been put in there by the people that he teaches and decides to leave a sample for so that those people can continue on when the time comes. Not if the time comes, when the time comes. Mm-hmm. I also love the, without being a, a bitch slap to May, he tells her exactly the same thing. And she gets it. Yeah, She totally gets it in this episode. That might even have been a better placed uh, dossier moment. Mm. But the putting of May in her place, but not like a bitch slap put in place. It's just that, look, we've done what we need to. I feel absolutely confident that someone and something is left. Should we disappear tomorrow? Right. Everything is going to be fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's magical. It's magical without being, again, that saccharine, you know, ready to now salute and have the 65% American flag waving in the background. It, it's not that. It, it's something that is, uh, it's, it's a piece of real deal truth, hence mm. the episode name. So, 10, obviously, for this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? It's season 5, episode 11, the 100th episode, The Real Deal. Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Click anywhere inside of one of the threads or start your own and let us know what you thought about this episode. So until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication.
click anywhere inside of the threads that's there, or start your own and tell us that you also hate Bathos and agree with Mike 100%. I think it has more to do with your dislike of Thor Ragnarok. Insert the tone. Your not dislike dislike of Thor Ragnarok. Because <laughs> you put it on all the time just so that it's in the background. Uh, the you effects be, are amazing. You it. could be putting something else on the in the background. The effects are amazing in Thor Ragnarok. That, yeah. that, that, that first scene with Thor and, and fiery lava demon guy are just epic. I mean, it's it's grand. It is, it is beyond spectacular, yes. Right, no, I, I totally agree. But I don't agree with you by trying to compare that movie with some of the other Marvel movies because none of the other Marvel movies have gone as far with your bathos as you think they have. Insert the tone. But we inserted the tone a long time ago. Oh. This is just you and I continuing a conversation that probably won't end up in this podcast or at the very end of this <laughs> podcast. I can tell you that no other feature film in the Marvel line will have as much bullshit bathos as Thor Ragnarok. Uh, no, I agree. Okay. What? But what you just got finished saying was you're comparing the stuff that happens in Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what? That's cute. It is cute. You got to remember this it is, is all, cute. This is for We're not all, mixed all with ages. the with the thirty five other times that it happens. So, sometimes a but movie it's a just character. Like, right. The cape is the character. Wait until we have our Doctor Strange perspective review. Okay. Insert the tone. You're not the one that's got to edit all this. Have fun with that. Uh, I'm sorry, Beckon from Rick. I'm gonna make it sound like you. <laughs> I'm gonna make it sound like you loved Thor Ragnarok. Here, I'll make it easy for you. <laughs> uh, never mind, Nick. You've changed my mind. I love Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> There you go. Oh. There, now you, you cannot edit that whole half an hour. <laughs> Bathos in the land of Marvel. It's also fucking awesome. I can't wait for more inside of an infinity uh, war. War with jokes. It's so funny. All right. Insert the tone. Something. Insert something. In fact, I was waiting for my email. You know, an electronic email that you'd never get inside of a computer you don't own. Uh-huh. Isn't that funny? God, that's funny. That should be in it a script for Oh. Oh. I laughed the first time I heard it. I'll bet you did. I did. I was in the theater. I was like, ah, And then that's you realize funny. how stupid it was. Because Thor's an idiot when it comes to Earth stuff. <laughs> where are we where are we back on this? <laughs> I don't have any idea. You brought it up. Uh, another checkbox for the Agents of Shield podcast for certain. Nicholas Nicholas Cage Hearns specialized bitchy box. Awesome. <laughs> 